0: Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. It's good to be with you Friday night in the big town. Does, I, don't, I don't think anyone else has taken that over since Gary England. Maybe we're the only ones. Us in the lost ogle that say Friday night in the big town.
1: <laughs> You're right.
0: <laughs> kids today probably don't even know. They'll never know the experience of that. They won't know what jump back Loretta means or any of that stuff. Also, uh, man, Gary England kind of went off the rails when he retired.
1: Uh, just a little.
0: I think he, I suspect he started watching a lot of cable news. I don't know that for a fact, but it's probably best that he is no longer on Twitter, which has also gone off the rails in general. I mean, fact. Anyway, hello, listeners. Uh, It is I, Andy Moore. I'm your host, uh, one of your hosts, uh, Dr. Scott Melson is here. Hello. Welcome back, sir. Indeed. Um, Scott is running on very little sleep today, so at least initially he's a little more you know, docile, <laughs>
1: we'll see. but I
0: assume, but as we get into this conversation, you will awaken. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I, I have no sleep and you have a glass of whiskey. So we'll see where this goes. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs>
0: this is like, I think this is the beginning of the fellowship of the ring. That's how it really starts. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, listeners, as you know, we said last week, thanks. I, thanks for the feedback. I got a surprising amount of feedback on last week's episode or earlier this week's episode, the short one that was just me, um, so thank you to, uh, you know, friends, family, agency heads, everyone who reached out and was like, I needed that. Um, uh, life is hard. So if that's the kind of content that you want more of, uh, let us know, and we'll be happy to do some more of that. Um, but this week we want to finally kind of recap. I, I mean, not kind of, we want to recap the 2023 legislative session with a asterisk that like. Special session is not yet over, right? I think he has until Monday. Well, no, technically special session, they don't – they gavel to the call of the chair or like June 30th,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. But like the House is going to come back, but the Senate's, oh, yeah. but the Senate's not going to come back.
0: Well, I thought House was on Monday and Senate was on Wednesday.
1: Oh, I thought – so I saw House was coming back, but the Senate wasn't – so Senate's coming back Wednesday. I think I so. thought they weren't coming back at all.
0: I think so. I'll have to go back and, and recheck uh, gotcha. Twitter. Gotcha. But anyway, yeah, gotcha. next week they'll be in session. I think minimal, like a, this is we just, done. yeah,
1: we thought it was over. It's never quite over. I mean, it's never quite that's over. In fact, but, uh, quite the, before, before you, before get that, there's a big piece of news. Yeah.
0: Today. Yeah. We should talk about the news of the day. In fact, uh, I have probably got some kind of, uh, a
1: <laughs> nice, nice. This just in, <laughs> right? This is, uh, It's not breaking anymore. It was breaking a couple hours ago, but uh, uh, President Trump, former President Trump, has been indicted again. So he's previously been indicted for uh, the Stormy Daniels, the the quote unquote hush money case uh, uh, related to his uh, paying paying Stormy Daniels to to keep their um, their relations uh, secret (laughs) secret while he was president. Um, um, So that was but but this is uh, this is new today. Former President Trump indicted on 38 counts Whew, wow. uh, related to the uh, 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 trove of documents recovered from his resort in Florida. These include violations of the Espionage Act, uh, also include con- obstruction and conspiracy. Uh, as we say on the show, pretty routinely, not a lawyer, but uh, that that doesn't sound great.
0: It's not insignificant.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, – I, I believe that at least some of these carry – uh, the at least the potential of fairly hefty prison terms. 20 years. If uh, convicted.
0: Yeah, so I looked um, on there. So if listeners, <clears> if you'd <throat> like to read the indictment, um, Politico has it, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, it is 49 pages long, although it's like double spaced. It's not so bad. And there's some pictures. Um, and so, uh, but it is a pretty interesting read. I read it earlier today. I had, a, a you know, I don't know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes to kill and was able to... Um, get through most of it and they enumerate all the documents that he has. So this is all related to these documents, right? Like the obstruction of justice is him like lying about having documents, moving documents around. And I mean, there is a, there's a paper trail, right? There are messages between his aides messages from his attorneys. Like they lay out the case of like, this person said this, they moved the boxes of documents from this building to that building um, but Scott, I was struck by how much these documents moved around. Yeah, I'm currently looking at a
1: picture that's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I'm going to say like thirty-ish boxes of uh, documents stacked next to a sh- in between a shower and a toilet at Mar-a-Lago. Um, that's wild, right? Right? Um, lots of uh, lots of legal types, lots of people who actually are lawyers uh, on Twitter saying that this. Um, is is pretty pretty damning, and that the the material of that is uh, the material that that was recovered was this was not this was not like classified, but like oh come on, this is classified, but really everybody like this this is some very very sensitive information um, that that was has been moved around between Mar-a-Lago and Bedminster and you know God knows where else. Well, and a
0: lot of it was just like Trump's <clears throat> aides carrying it in his car. And then putting it in a truck and like driving it to wherever and put in in airplanes and flying it around. Um, there's a photo on page 14 of the indictment of just like where a box had fallen and all the contents kind of spilled out on the floor. And it seems like from this, because they have some text messages in there between his uh, two of his aides that thought enough to like take a picture of it and be like, I just opened the door and found this. Like they recognize these are important and they had to had to redact some of the photo because there's classified information that was visible, right. which means this aide who did not have clearance um, had, ac- you know, like obviously had access to this. And this is just not the kind of stuff you want stored in bathrooms and laying around.
1: Well, and it's also like, what did he want to keep it for? Right. Like, this is the thing. And I, I have not read the entire, in, in, entirety of the indictment. So I don't know if they I don't know if they speculate on that or not. But like, why? Like. Like, why, one, why would you take these things and why would you, like, keep them with you all the time, like, unless you have some plan for them? Or was this just to make him – was this just to make him feel like he's still president? Like, what was the – what is the reason for, like – nuclear secrets and like a potential you know attack plans for an attack on Iran like why why do you have have this shit stacked in your
0: bathroom right well so there's a this part was kind of shared earlier this week but the conversation he had where he was showing the invasion plans for Iran he was showing to some people and he's like well this is what this is the military thing this is what they did not me they did it not me they did it not me like look this would this would uh, exonerate me like this you know look look they did this not me I can't even really show you it's secret. Like, so don't get too close, but it's like someone else prepared that, but who instructed them to do so? And regardless, you're not allowed to show anybody. And he was showing it to people who did not have clearance. And that is a, that is a violation. Um, beginning on page 28, it goes through all of the documents and, um, kind of lists what they were. Um, so like the date of the, I guess, no, maybe this is all the counts. um, Uh, Well, it's 31 of these. So it's like a bunch of documents and it has like the date that it happened, the classification of the document and a document description. And this part was real interesting. And you and I haven't talked about this yet. So um, some of them will say, uh, you know, January 20th, of 2021 to August 8th of 2022, which is essentially from when he left office to when the FBI came and got the documents. Right. And it says top secret slash SI slash. No foreign slash special handling, right? So those are all. It's a top secret document, which is the highest level. And then I forget what SI stands for. Do you remember? I I, am. I remember. I remember us researching this and uh, previously, Um, but there's all these like different things. For example, some of them say F V E Y or something, which is the five eyes. National Security Alliance, which is like the US, the UK, New Zealand, Australia, and Canada, I think. So, like those five companies mm-hmm. share information. Countries. Countries. And uh, so that's all interesting. But there's several that say, for example, item number five, top secret slash redacted slash redacted slash orcon slash no foreign. Document dated June, 2020 concerning nuclear capabilities of a foreign country. Like Jesus. <laughs> and there's several, I'm like, Oh, there are security clearances that it's all top secret stuff that are concerning military attacks, nuclear capabilities, that kind of thing where the classification of the document is so classified right. that we can't know.
1: Cause there, well, there's like code word clearance and shit, right? We're right. like, right.
0: And it's probably, mean- maybe that's the, it's a code word and they just don't want to tell us what it is. Right. Um, but I was like, oh, this is like – I can imagine there's just not a lot of these documents floating around. Anybody want to ask Mark Wayne what he thinks about it? Mm, I do not. That would
1: be very interesting though. Kevin Hearn?
0: Oh, did I read that Mark Meadows, his former – that's Trump's former chief of staff, right? Yes. Isn't uh, he going to
1: – So there is reporting. Uh, I think I want to say Trump's – I'm not sure if it's Meadows' team or Trump's team. There was reporting in The Independent that – Trent Crim. Uh, it was not true <laughs> uh, there was rep- there was reporting at the and uh, the, uh, in, the uh, in the independent that um, that uh, Mark Meadows former chief of staff um, pled pled guilty to some lesser counts um, related to this probe in exchange for some degree of immunity
0: Mark Meadows has some connection to Oklahoma doesn't he uh, he
1: and he and uh, Jay Kevin are he and he and Jay Kevin are tight
0: Close with governor Stitt mmm did he? Is he from here?
1: No, he's from Carolina,
0: North Carolina. Does anyone refer to South Carolina as just Carolina? I, I, I don't think so. Does anyone refer to I, refer to either of the Dakotas as Dakota?
1: I I don't know anyone from Dakota. I don't. <laughs> fair, fair point. I've I have
0: been to both Dakotas.
1: My brother-in-law went to school at University of North Dakota for a year. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Because he was planning on becoming a pilot and they have the premier aviation program in the country, particularly if you're interested in piloting helicopters.
0: Really? Correct. In North Dakota. Yeah.
1: It's flat, man.
0: Yeah, but so is Oklahoma. Not
1: a lot of trees. Yeah, well, so we have like the second best one. Well, I mean, I guess we do have. The, we, we couldn't have the school and the FAA program, right? We we also have we also we also have a really good one, but uh, the UND program specifically for helicopters is like uh, is is like top notch.
0: Fascinating. Uh, was it in Bismarck? I uh, may, don't maybe. know. <laughs> there are cities there. <laughs> it's a place where it's flat and cold. I know that. Didn't Nate Silver make an argument that we should merge the Dakotas?
1: Yes. Yes. One of many contrarian uh, <laughs> uh, arguments that Nate has put out
0: there. Yeah. Well, um, regardless of more, what, more what state you're from. Yeah. More to come. This will be interesting. Um, they, I noticed in the indictment they estimated it would take 21 days to try this case.
1: Hmm, that's not long at all.
0: Yeah. There's like a checkbox for like how long you think it's going to be 20 to 60. They checked and they put 21 days. I was like, huh? I mean,
1: I wonder how long it will be before it goes to trial. So it's yeah. been assigned. it has been assigned to judge Eileen Cannon, uh, in Florida who previously, so she was a Trump appointee, um, who was involved. <clears throat> she was, I want to say she was involved at this case with, the, she was involved with this case at the very beginning, and she is the one who said that there needed to be a special master appointed, right? Right, and then that got like the justice department appealed, and she that got that got tossed out, and she got I think pretty strongly rebuked by whatever court hmm. is above her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. So was that of, like
0: her trying to avoid being the judge on the case?
1: Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of legal experts interpreted as her trying to like tilt the scales. Um, uh. So I don't know if she'll remain the judge on the case. I don't know. But um, um, some of the legal experts that we follow on Twitter, they have said this – that apparently the evidence the evidence that is laid out in the indictment is sufficiently thorough that it's like it really shouldn't matter like who the judge is. Like this is not – right. this is not a case where there's like a lot of uh, you know nuance.
0: And these are federal crimes. <clears throat> His other indictment was just state level, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So that was in that was in New York.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, and there are a couple of other investigations ongoing, where charges have not yet been filed.
1: Interestingly, we were discussing this um, prior to the pod. Apparently, um, he could go to trial. He could be convicted, still run for president and win. Like he could.
0: He could. He could. Like it's theoretically possible. Yeah.
1: He could win the presidency whilst incarcerated.
0: I. I guess I thought that if that. Being a felon was one of the like you have to be 35 years old, you have to be a U.S. citizen, and you can't be a felon were like the three requirements. No, even if it's treason, I guess if he was convicted of treason specifically, that might preclude him.
1: I don't know the answer to that, surely not. I mean, I'm just saying, uh, you can if you're a felon, you can't vote, but apparently, you can be president.
0: Is t- I know we don't have a like a national death penalty, but I thought treason was like one of the crimes that you could be correct killed for is that that is correct like a federal crime that you could be put to death for yes but he's not just to be clear he's not being indicted for <laughs> but like who 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 gets indicted for espionage in 2023 donald j trump golly this is incredible times, and one
1: of his uh staffers
0: yeah <laughs> who i i mean essentially this would be i mean for those of us who are West Wing fans, right? This is like Bartlett and Charlie. It's like who the two people are, right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not comparing Bartlett and Trump, but like it's Trump and, uh, and his his Charlie. Uh, President Bartlett. Yes. With with one T. Correct. Um, <laughs> let's go. I have my Bartlett for America coffee mug right outside the room here. All right. Well, I mean that really is uh, breaking news. And who knows why we even record a podcast. That will suck up all the air in the room for the next – um, several days i'm certain that will dominate the news cycle all weekend i mean there's an there's a reason they drop it on friday right for that reason because yeah. then all the sunday news shows are going to be oh yeah about this
1: also chuck todd leaving me the press really yeah what's he gonna do uh he'll be nbc's chief political analyst and also do some other like stuff
0: so i assume when like a someone like that becomes a analyst chief whatever analyst that's like someone leaving their company and then becoming a consul- consultant for that company, right?
1: Uh, I mean, but he'll still work for MSNBC. He said he just more time with his family, yada yada. He's also been doing, it for, I mean, he's been doing it for ten years.
0: So he's gonna write a book,
1: and I mean, uh, uh, sure. And I want to say, I mean, he's Chuck Todd's got to be making ten million a year, right? One would think, right? So he's made a hundred. So he's made a hundred million dollars. So yeah, spe, you know we're spe, we're speculating, but it wouldn't be shocking. <laughs> I mean, I might quit after a hundred million. go do something else. I, uh, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, what we should do, Scott, is that we should reach out to Mr. Todd um, and ask if he wants to join our woodworking guild. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and
1: and come be on the podcast every week.
0: Yeah, we just we would be like Hacks on Tap with Axe and uh, Mike Murphy. And Chuck Dodd. And, and Chuck, this will be Andy and Scott and Chuck. And then we'll do woodworking um, and like listen to other political podcasts in the shop while we build beautiful farmhouse furniture.
1: I'll have to grow a beard with you guys.
0: Excellent. Listen, <laughs> if I have access to $100 million, my wife might let me get away with just a mustache, a bushy mustache.
1: <laughs> Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> all right well We're already
1: so far off the rails it's
0: only been 20 minutes um <laughs> let's come back home to oklahoma um so the regular session wrapped up friday may 26th i think i addressed that earlier in the week um and you know the issue the issue du jour Oh, scott's yawning i know you're tired
1: i'll be all right power through uh
0: do you want a coke there's some cokes in the fridge yeah. out here I'm good. Okay. But thank you. Um, I can slap you in the face also. <laughs> somebody somebody should. Somebody should. Um, I don't have a slap sound effect. Uh, that'd be a good one. Anyway, um, the big issue, of course, this year in session was education, right? In various forms, but that was really the big thing. There were, of course, early in session, all these attacks on transgender youth in particular. Um, and I guess we had that in lieu of bills about abortion and guns. Um, although I expect that we will see at least one of those issues come back up soon. Um, you know, the, the house, uh, of, of representatives here was rocked twice by incidents involving members and law enforcement, right. Um, representative Martinez and his DUI and his second DUI, right? Yeah. His second. And then there was another representative <clears throat> that also had his second or third DUI. Um, uh, Representative O'Donnell was charged. Those charges have been dropped. It's there has been some legal scandal in the House. But once that happened, it really got quiet.
1: For the Law and Order Party, too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really got quiet. Um, you know, ultimately, I guess lawmakers and Governor Stitt negotiated agreements that paved the way for major increases in teacher pay and common ed funding for an overall state budget that will take effect at the beginning of next month. um, That as you see the headlines is the largest budget in state history, which is true, but we also have more people living here than ever in state history and inflation and inflation and, 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 and And a bunch of one-time funding that was due to the pandemic and all of this stuff. So like, I feel like they're like, Oh, it's the most money ever. It means next year we should cap it. And it's like, well, but Oklahoma is one of the few states that is still growing in Population, especially in the metro areas, and like when you have more people, you have to spend more money because it's like a per capita thing,
1: right? Well, and there's somebody has a resolution to do that, right? Like, didn't yeah. somebody introduce a uh, yeah, uh, an HJR to, to, to cap it or cap growth like one percent or something,
0: yeah, so that they can only it would <clears throat> right now they can they can only appropriate 95 percent of the previous year's estimates, mm. and this would lower that to 90 percent, that's right, that's right yeah. and then. There was another provision that I forget, but yeah. So I mean, that's not unexpected. And again, just because something's filed doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere, especially right now, where they are all eager to get out of that building and um, start raising money for their campaigns for next year.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, Stitt never signed the budget, right? He uh, let the budget that's take. That's right. He let the budget take effect, but and didn't actually sign it. Um, the governor. Uh, has some, I think, significant disagreements with the budget, mostly because it didn't cut taxes. Um, right. Um, so, And he uh, is threatened,
0: and I feel like I keep hearing rumors, that he wants to call them back for special session specifically about those tax cuts.
1: Um, which, I mean, he could do. They could also gavel in, gavel out, and go home. Right. Um, which is, I suspect, what they would do. Uh-huh. The Senate has shown no appetite for tax cuts. Um, the House was pushing for tax cuts. McCall was pushing for tax cuts. I assume this is because he wants to run on having cut taxes when he runs for governor. Um, I, I
0: think, I mean, I think they'll do it. They'll just wait and do it next year when it's closer to the election. Like don't save your bullets, right? Like,
1: I mean, I mean maybe, but you still have to get the Senate to agree to it. Right. And this the yeah, Senator, but, Senator Thompson, Senator Thompson has not been uh, really open to discussing tax cuts at all this year or last year.
0: Yeah. But here's the, here's the mailer. Right. So let's say it's April of 2024. It's a year from now. The House passes tax cuts, and then all that Speaker McCall has to say is, like, you know, led the way for tax cuts or voted for tax cuts or whatever. Whether or not they pass is inconsequential because most people don't follow that that closely,
1: and because the tax cut would not affect most people,
0: and because the even if it did, it is so small that people wouldn't notice. Yeah, oh, it saved you twenty bucks a year. You don't notice that.
1: Un- un- unless you make $750,000 a year, in which case it saved you $10,000.
0: Right, right. In which case you probably still don't notice, but you're thankful nonetheless. what ah, okay. yeah. um, let's, let's We should ask Chuck Todd about tax we policy. Chuck, now that you're in. fucking rich, <laughs> how do you feel about tax cuts? <laughs> um, that's, I mean- I told you about this like I had a conversation with um Charles Munger Jr who's a billionaire his dad is Warren Buffett's business partner um, and he's a uh, somewhat active in the democracy reform movement and I had a chance to hang out with him and ask him some of these questions about how he feels about tax policy how he how he feels about reducing the role of money in politics and um I mean he's a he's like a, a physicist and very mathematically minded and he had some very pragmatic advice where he was just like, uh, it's not great, but more importantly, like people should own it. Like we shouldn't have mechanisms for people to hide. Mm-hmm. If you've got money and you're going to spend it, you should own it. Yeah. Put your name on the billboard. Sure. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, thanks to our former intern Micah for helping us kind of create a – Bit of an outline for today, and I don't know if you noticed on the notes here, but she like created winners and losers, which I thought was a nice touch.
1: I, I, I do, do, we, do we want to go through these,
0: yeah. You want to start? No, okay, okay. <laughs> well, um, so you know, I think one of the things, and it's not a person, but one of the things that was a bit of a net loser potentially, right, is like unity among the Republican Party, um, in the state legislature. And somewhat because the session was fraught with like policy disagreements that generated some like really petty infighting amongst the party. Now that's yeah. that's just the nature of it. When you have a supermajority, right. it's hard to wrangle that many cats.
1: Right. And and this has been. I mean, this is it's true for this year, but it's also it was true for a session last year as well, right? Some of these same. I mean, last year it seemed like we we couldn't you couldn't it it, it was spent most of the session trying to get the governor of the house and the senate on on the same page about any any number of of issues um i i I feel like it's i don't want to say it's come to a i don't want to say it's come to a head but i feel like the animosity was even more out in the open Mm -hmm. this year right like this year there was a lot there was a lot more dueling press conferences a lot more kind of direct call outs from the house to the senate and vice versa both of them pissed at the governor about various things, um, you know. I think uh, I'll be interested to see where where we're at next year after you know um, the cooling off period that that you expect in between in between sessions.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, I, I sub- you, anyone can subscribe. I subscribe to the legislature's like email updates, so I get all the press releases. And I feel like there was an increase in press releases from a few of the members. Not everybody sends out stuff. Thank God we couldn't handle all that. But you expect the ones from leadership. But there's a few rank-and-file members who tend to be of the more conservative persuasion that sent out a lot more this year than they have in the past, which is interesting, especially because often— Humphrey sent out a lot. He did for a while. And did it,
1: the did the cockfighting law get signed? No, in, did it didn't it, go anywhere. Because it passed the house, right? Yeah, but then did, did they even hear it in the senate? No. Yeah, sure.
0: No, um, but like Warren Hamilton and some of those guys like send out quite a few, and often st- they send out like statements, not not just about like legislation that passes, but just like statements from mm. them. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm very curious. I haven't ever followed up to see like if their local papers run those or like what the I'm curious what the purpose is, what the outcome measure is.
1: Um, One winner we have from the session was teachers. Um, so the the education reform package that passed, or education funding passed, I should say, um, public school teachers came out of the session with 3000 to $6,000 pay raises um, based on their years of experience and six weeks of paid maternity leave. Now, I did see today, apparently there are some... Some caveats to that. So right. I think the raises are limited to 10% of teachers per district. So it's not going to be like everybody necessarily gets one, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> and then there's like a really big hiring bonus, but I guess that's limited to like special ed teachers. For like the 50,000? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and and one of the former State Department of Education employees who is now suing the State Department um, has voiced concerns that that would run afoul of – Statute because mm-hmm. I think the actual, like, the law, or maybe it's the administrative rules, but it like caps bonuses at 50% of a person's income. Mm-hmm. And so there was some question that yet to be determined if, I mean, obviously, 50, they're not getting paid $100,000. And so $50,000 mm-hmm. would be more than half of their salary. And thus, is it even possible?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll so I'd be curious to see. So in, gen- in general, though, teachers, I think, come out of this session better than when they.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's been a real mixed bag for the education community. And we should have someone um, or someones from the education world on the podcast in a um, soon episode. Um, and
1: big, big news this week in the education world, because the state virtual charter board uh, uh, approved, uh, approved the application for the first, the first state Funded or publicly funded religious charter school right. in America. Um, Attorney General Drummond has called this uh, blatantly unconstitutional. It turns out the vote may be null and void because the person that cast the deciding vote may not have been actually eligible to vote during the meeting. So there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of uh, legal a lot of legal proceedings. Um, uh, another piece of drama that Emily Lang put out on Twitter was that I guess um, there there may be. A question whether or not these folks are actually entitled to a state-funded defense because the attorney general gave them an opinion prior to the vote that this right. that this is unconstitutional. This right. is not something that they're legally allowed to do. They did it anyway, so they yeah. may not be entitled to um, a, a state-funded defense. So this could be a personally expensive decision. There was an op-ed in the New York Times today uh, talking about this decision and how, from from a conservative commentator, um, saying that this is this is a mistake um, to. To give give the church, give any church uh, the power of the state.
0: Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. David French. Yeah, um, I, so, I think I saw that and I was like, wait a second, is this about Oklahoma? It is. In um, the New York Times from a conservative. That's Today. a big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that will be talked about here locally on our news programs this weekend. Um, well, will ask talk about that one too. Do you watch like Flashpoint or any of that stuff on the weekends? Variably. Yeah. Yeah. What about CBS Sunday morning? No. <laughs> it's always so happy. Um, although I just follow them on Instagram and I get most of the content I need. I forget how many commercials are on television. So many. Like I heard, I mean, you know, we watch, you know, Ted Lasso and stuff on streaming, right? Which has no commercials. But then like when you watch anything, it's, I don't, was it this much before? And you can't, a lot of them,
1: you can't fast forward through the commercials. Even if you pause, right, uh-huh. or even if you record, the streaming services have now made it so that, like, uh, you, can't skip you, can't, you can't skip the commercials, which I think is BS. That's the whole reason I pay for streaming services.
0: Oh, so, like, if you have Hulu with ads yes. or something? Yes, yeah. yes. It is. I mean, it's just to drive you to the higher tier, right? It's wild. It's wild. Um, anywho, uh, yeah, so the, the interesting thing, I think, Scott, about teachers being one of the winners this session is that also – um, you would say that maybe not teachers are losers, but like public education lost some because school choice won, right? Like they, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Th- um, there were some obviously big legislation for, there was kind of part of this package, right? For some vouchers, uh, or I'm, I'm putting vouchers in quotes, air quotes, vouchers, um, that is like, what's it, what's the little six hundred and fifty million something like that? yeah, that's something like that. I mean it's a lot it's of big, money pretty big. um to basically allow people to send their kids to private school and get money back to do that. Um, obviously, this disproportionately affects um, uh, urban areas versus rural areas because there's just not that many private schools in rural areas. Um so the also like we've talked about this before, the idea of school choice is often presented as parents have a choice of where to send their school their children, but more often than that, it is because the the school has a choice of who they can accept. Yeah, yep. which is very different. Yep. Um, I have a friend who runs a charter school, and um, is a private, uh, uh, r- like religious charter school, and they recently moved buildings um, across town across Oklahoma City, and so they're losing some of their attendance, right? And it's not for people who lived locally. It's from, like, parents who were driving from home to work, and the school happened to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. But now it moved, and so the school's not on the way, mm-hmm. and so they're going to have to move their kids, like, to their local school because it's on the way. So it's like, oh, well, we're, the parent can or will choose when it's convenient for the parent, right? but they're not when it's inconvenient. And I think that's the deal, right? If yeah. you live in... Poto or somewhere you probably don't have a choice right and and if that and so that's where they set up is that what the red bud fund is about like some additional money for rural schools that's
1: my understanding yes Mm, yes you know related outside of the issue of school choice um state superintendent ryan walters is uh i I would say he came he comes out looking like a loser right out of the session got raked over Uh, the coals raked over the coals a couple of times um lots of animosity between him uh, and, and leadership in the legislature even leader you know, leaders in his own party yeah um several people even even some members of his own party calling for his impeachment yeah. um he is uh, his tenure is also a rocky start
0: it is um i guess losers in the eye of the beholder though because presumably someone supports him right and he keeps doing this i also didn't realize he was still making videos in his car but i saw one the other day i don't normally watch his videos and i watched it and i was just like this is not accurate. Yeah, correct. I just, I mean, I really hadn't watched maybe one or two of his videos ever. Yeah. And so I just decided to watch this. I was in my car also actually sitting at a um, waiting to pick up my kid and I was like, whoa, like it was just so egregiously wrong. Yeah, but like in a bizarre way. Like, it turns
1: was... out our schools are not full of pornography.
0: Yeah, it was really, I mean, I'm used to hearing people talk in talking points i've been guilty of using Hyperbole, them myself so when i'm sure. working on stuff but like because they work and because they effectively communicate a certain perspective or point point. Mm-hmm. and his was just like it was like talking point adjacent it was like a talking point like had you know in multiplicity how like every a time point they, that's lost its way yeah i mean you know like multiplicity every time michael keaton's character like gets gets uh duplicated he like yeah. gets a little weirder yeah. and this is like a talking point that has gone through a couple of iterations there. And I was like, "Well, oh, that's not, that's funny. Like if this works, then we as society are way farther gone than I think we are, or he's lost his way. And I felt like that's what it is. I guess we'll find out. Um, It's pretty, yeah, it's, that's been a good summary. I will note, you know, one of the press releases, as I mentioned those earlier, that um, gets sent out at kind of the end of session, uh, pro Tim, Greg treats sent out one, that was actually fairly comprehensive and was like helpful. It was like a pretty long and a bunch of bullet points and I will even link to it in the show notes because you no know, obviously this is them celebrating their wins um, some of which may not align with uh, our values or your values, but um, you know they have headlines like education packages first, tax reform, um, oh the, college athlete name image and likeness
1: that that is a win that's a win for oklahoma
0: which they had to come back and that was Mm -hmm. a veto that was part of his tantrum 20 wasn't it yes did
1: he did they override the tribal regalia yes good
0: and oeta good yeah yeah they i think they overrode almost all of them good and that was i use the term um tantrum 20 because that's the insider term that they were using the capital i mean even on the floor they were like this is part of his like tantrum 20 apropos um which I think highlights what you just said about the uh, strained relations between the legislature and the governor. That was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so I think that's um, a pretty decent recap. Obviously, there's a lot more to it, but I think we should highlight that You know, there were some um, bad bills that didn't make it through some of the attacks on the niche petition process. There was a bill kind of aimed at clamping down on how many ballots a notary can notarize just making voting more difficult yeah. all that stuff kind of faded away and it really we got left with education policy and money related to that was like the main thrust
1: yeah um we do need to mention some of the bills targeting trans- transgendered persons that did make it through yeah. that are yeah. very very harmful to a community that's already faces a lot of uh, marginalization um you know, some of those, uh, you know, the, the attorney general has said that pending litigation, um, there are aspects of those will, that will not be enforced. There's a non-enforcement agreement in place right, right. now. Um, so we'll see what, what happens with those from a litigation standpoint. But certainly um, a lot of harm done to some very vulnerable Oklahomans in, in, in that sphere.
0: Yeah. It makes me – I think about this a lot now. Um, I think it was when we had Adam Sultani on the program Talking about his experience, like as a Muslim in Oklahoma, and and how we don't see anti-Muslim bills like we did in mm-hmm. 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. You know, just five years ago. It's but we,
1: John Bennett's not in the legislature anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe it's true. Maybe he was the one. He wasn't the only one. He wasn't the, but, he wasn't the only one, but he
1: was the most prominent.
0: But now we do see these attacks on transgender folks, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think Adam's point was. They are – someone is always attacking the groups of Oklahomans, the groups of Americans who are perceived to be weaker, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That they are, for some reason, threatened by, for even nonsense reasons. And, and I think an argument that Adam makes to members of his community is just because they're not attacking Muslims doesn't mean they won't come back. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they've stopped attacking people. Like, mm-hmm. Our friends and neighbors mm-hmm. are still being – Not just marginalized, but Mm -hmm. like outright attacked, Mm -hmm. trying to be erased, trying to like be denied that they exist. There's pretty egregious efforts there. I think about that a lot. I mean, you think back through history, not just the last five years, but the last 50, 60, 80, 100 years, 200 years, whatever. And you can see over and over again, there is this like in-group versus out-group battle that's happening. And that's really – concerning right and so i think you know to my episode earlier this week about existential exhaustion um there's a lot going on for me as a middle-class white guy i can't uh i really cannot imagine what it's like to be a member of this uh, any one of these like very marginalized Mm -hmm. communities who are under direct threat Mm -hmm. in that kind of way
1: yeah same well said
0: thank you well, uh, Scott, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap up for this week? I think that'll do it for now. That'll do it for to now. Um, listeners, um a quick reminder before I turn on the music. Um, later this month, actually, I'll turn on music now. Later this month, june twenty sixth and twenty seventh is Civicscon. Go to civicscon.com. get your tickets. They're only ten bucks. It's gonna be really great. Uh, we have a whole list of really great speakers and great topics. Um, I'll have it all posted on the website over the weekend. So hopefully, by the time you listen to this, it will be up there, uh, and you should really go check it out. AJ Griffin, um, uh, Chris Canaday, um, um, Lori Walkie, Shannon Fleck, Ellen Pogue Miller. Um, I can't. I'm just trying to name people, but there's so many. I think JB is going to be there. Um, We're going to have, I don't know, roughly two dozen breakout sessions about topics from education, organizing your community, organizing the Latino community, organizing the LGBT community, advocacy, running for office, anything that you're interested in, we've probably got it. It's going to be a really great time. I'm super stoked Uh, and hope you can join us. June 26th, 27th, civicscon.com, Rose State College. Go get your tickets. Scott, thanks for being here. Always. Listeners, thanks for being here. Have a good weekend. Uh, Stay cool in the heat. And uh, remember that decisions are made by those who show up. See you later.